0: Ho, 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 and welcome
1: (laughs) to this very festive episode of Bullet Points Podcast. I'm Video Game Santa Claus, and I'm here to give presents and coal to all the... Hey, what's up? It's, uh, (laughs) Santa, where... Santa, where are you going? Video Game Santa Claus, come back. Uh oh that wasn't video game santa claus that was me that was that was reed mccarter uh i'm hosting it's oh wow very special were you surprised
2: yeah i i really thought that was uh that classic character we all know video game santa claus
1: video game santa claus uh yeah he's famous <laughs> amongst <laughs> all the children of the world. Uh, but that was not him. Unfortunately, that was just me pretending to be him. Um, anyway, what, why would video game Santa Claus be here? Why would he be squeezing himself down the Minecraft chimney? It's because it's the end of the year. It's the holidays. It's, uh, some would say the most wonderful time of the year. Um, but that I think really depends on your relationship with your family. So let's not, <laughs> let's not paint everyone with the same broad brush. Uh, So we're doing something kind of special here at the uh, Bullet Points Mid-Atlantic headquarters. We are talking about our favorite and least favorite games of the year that was 2018. So, I am joined as always by Astrid.
2: Hello, and Merry Video Game Christmas. It's... Merry, merry Sony Christmas If you're on my team
1: I get really mad because It used to be merry video game Christmas But now it's happy video game holidays and <laughs> I think that's Disrespectful to the point of the holidays Which is the birth of uh, Mario
2: yeah. well, In his little crib Inclusivity is um, A greater goal than Your personal comfort
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, this is video game, so I'm not so sure if that's true. <laughs> we are also joined by holiday favorite. He comes jingling on by. It seems every every <laughs> December to spread merriment and and good cheer. Ethan, staff writer at Kotaku Gatch. Hello, Ethan,
3: how are you? How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm good. <laughs>
1: See that was that was,
3: uh, that was that was good cheer. Reed, Astrid, thank you so much for having me back on. You're welcome. I wait for this moments. moment every year. <laughs> all I want for calendar? all I want for Christmas is to be on podcasts, <laughs> and and you two making it happen. Um,
1: well, as as with last year as well, the resident uh, Grinch. Um Ed has, has taken sick. <laughs> um, he's taken sick and decided that he, he cannot bear all of this good cheer. So, sadly, he won't be joining us today, and we will never know what his favorite game and least favorite game of the year are. We can only speculate that both answers are Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, let's get this started. Let's get right into it. Let's not let's not mess around. Everyone's got turkeys to roast and and eggnog to to, to drink. I've yeah. already
3: I've already been through uh, two quarts of eggnog this season. So have you? Oh yeah. I feel like I've talked to you about this before,
1: Ethan. That you are also a nog fan. One of the few strong. Oh, yeah.
3: Got a got my kraken rum, kraken yeah, spiced was- rum. Going through that.
1: No, I was doing that.
3: Ex- I was doing that exact combo last year.
1: Because uh, you can pour it in because it's a dark rum, and then you see it sort of like curdle as it enters, and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> put that in my gut. Let's see what happens." <laughs> Aster, what do you think about nog before it's we? It's
2: okay. Yeah, hmm. I don't usually like buy it because um, I don't really. It's hard to get in the holiday spirit down here to be honest with you uh eggnog on like a hot day
0: mm, uh, delicious. not a
2: combination <laughs> i particularly enjoy yeah so you don't but like this hot... year i'm going to vermont so maybe i'll pick up some eggnog and give it another spin Ooh,
3: Dude, we'll, pa- do it do we'll it th- vermont burlington nice of course it's the yeah. only part of vermont
2: <laughs> yeah my parents moved up there from like central vermont and finally it's like a recognizable area of the state to people
1: is that where Bernie Sanders is?
2: Yeah. They actually live in his neighborhood. Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: What's, Bernie, what's Bernie he bro, like?
3: Capital of the world.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Astro, are your parents big uh, Bernie bros?
0: <laughs>
2: I think so. We're all going to sit around Christmas dinner and talk about the mutually exclusive concepts of race and class. <laughs>
3: I was going <laughs> to throw darts at a big picture of Beto.
1: um that's fun you know what else is fun Mm. i was i was gonna say video games but i don't know if that's true but maybe it is ethan you are the guest you are the esteemed guest who's come here today so i kind of want to throw this to you first and ask you this end of the year ultimate question what's your favorite thing you played this year and what's your least favorite thing you played this year
3: oh yeah uh, i I've been struggling to muster uh, any kind of feelings on this topic <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think I think it, uh, in the at the end of the year I realized that uh like uh, I just have nothing left um, mm. like poring over because you know Kotaku is doing its uh, best games of 2018 and just being a part of that discussion and looking at all of them and I'm like I mean this is you know the, the top 30 just pick any of them they're all good just, just do it um, I just have uh, been struggling to have very strong feelings about anything. Um, yeah. Except, that's... except disappointing uh, game, least favorite game. I think uh, I finally did settle on Far Cry Five.
1: <sighs> Ooh. Please explain.
3: So I, in preparation for this show, which you know I've been thinking about all week, well, <laughs> I did actually look at the objectively. Uh, Worst game of 2018, and does anyone have a wild guess what it is? Agony. No. Uh, but a but a good but a good. It's, it, Agony is on many people's worst games of 2018 <laughs> lists, though, which hmm. I also studied.
1: The objectively worst, the scientifically determined worst, uh, Fallout 76. No. The gamers uh, are oh, wow, furious really? about that.
3: They yeah. they are They're and they're dumb. Uh, Fallout 76, <laughs> uh, perfectly not absolutely horseshit game um wild (laughs) wild west online is the least it's got a 29 on metacritic
1: see i've never even heard of that that's how and i won't bog down this this
3: episode in details about that that game but it is funny because it is like it is just literally objectively like a scam out of russia um that, (laughs) that you can that you can play on steam uh but no so i was trying to think like uh you know, obviously, it's kind of boring just to be like, "Well, what's the actual worst game of the year?" Because there are just so many terrible games that no one really has a stake in defending. But I was mm-hmm. trying to think mm-hmm. of like, what what game did I play a lot of that I think could have, you know, that I have I have some sympathy for. That get, there could have been something special or, or better about this game um, that there just wasn't, and it was definitely Far Cry Five. Uh, I, think, I, I the only think, game that made I tell me you nauseous a... all year.
1: Oh, sorry. No, I was no, going to no. say, can I tell you a quick secret? Is that I am going to have to shuffle my worst game candidates again because Far Cry Five was also my choice. But I, would, <laughs> I will pick a runner up. So I'm I was I was I was, I was split between
3: that. Dragon Quest uh, Eleven and Far Cry Five. Really? Yeah.
1: I've heard nothing but glowing, positive, rapturous appraisals of Dragon Quest
3: Eleven. That's because everyone who didn't think that ditched it within like the first hour
1: so they just vanished from the discourse
3: yeah they're like I have nothing there's, there's nothing to say about this game no I, Far Cry 5 is just uh, it's like uh I think um having played you know as the year went on having played a bunch of other open world games it just became clear how sort of like formulaic and just paper thin that entire game is like they went through all the trouble to create this uh world with some you know with a cult like you know cults are interesting like you, you how do you mm-hmm. mess that up um And I actually uh, watched... um, I'm not a big movie person, but I watched uh, the... What was the Nicolas Cage weird trippy horror movie that came out? Uh, Mandy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, And so, like, I just, you know... (laughs) And I also fell asleep during Mandy. But um, (laughs) the first 30 minutes really, you know, were a visual trip. And I was just like... It just kind of, like, made me remember how many interesting things you could have done with the idea of like a cult in the Midwest and like drugs and like all this stuff. And then what you end up with far cry five is one of the most like conservative, uh, traditional approaches to going around, uh, in an open world and just shooting things that, you know, just will run at you with guns.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was, that was kind of my rationale too, is I think it's, it's something that, that could have been really interesting. Um, especially with the idea of them sort of at least in the promotional material and they were talking big game about sort of tying in um, like hyper nationalism and evangelical Christianity into this doomsday cult thing and there's so much interesting stuff you could do with that and not you wouldn't even have to do much just to kind of make that fascinating and it it just falls over, I think, on every level. Um, and the thing that, to me, makes it—I was feeling the same way. Like, yeah, there are worse games. Like, I had agony written down here as well because I played that for <laughs> forty-five minutes just to see, and I was like, "Nah, this is this is too shitty." And that's sort of like, on some sense, a similar thing. If you could do something really cool with that uh, and really fascinating with that premise, but they absolutely didn't. But that's also just, like, a broken, shitty game. Like, Far Cry 5 is competent, and um, that just makes it worse. Is I'm just, like, tired of seeing something and, and thinking, you could do something here, something kind of interesting, and playing the thing, and it's just, like, paddling. It's just nothing. Um, there were one or two moments in that game I thought were kind of interesting. Like, I like that one... It's hard to even remember their names. I wrote an article about the one character um, who was, was sort of... Th- who was the it? Guy with, the guy with the... Um, like the military guy. I forget his Jacob. name now. Yeah. Um, but everything else was, was just nothing. So I'm right there with you. We did a whole month about how... <laughs> I think... <laughs> In various degrees of how disappointing that game is. So.
3: Well, and so, and so at the you know the game ends with a nuclear bomb going off, uh, or potentially multiple ones. It's not ever made clear whether or not it's like nuclear war or just like a terrorist attack or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then so they you know Far Cry, uh, New Dawn, Mid Dawn, or something the this the standalone sequel that is coming out next year. Yeah. Um. Sort of like. Uh, it paints this picture of uh, that the cult was correct in some way, whether for the right reasons or not, but like um, all of their sort of, uh, their proselytizing and everything uh, ended up coming true. And I think there is, there's this weird, I think part of the problem with Far Cry 5 is there's just, it's not clear on whether or not it kind of just drops in a bunch of different ideas and doesn't really have uh, its own opinion about what to make of them. Um, and so you end up with this this cult leader who's not who's who's sympathetic on some level, but also is just sort of this uh, Joker villain on another level. Uh, mm-hmm. You have uh, Jacob is obviously interesting as a vet of the First Gulf War, um, but then it, uh, so one of the biggest disappointments for me with that game is everything outside of the main story is pretty. Uh, uh, dumbed down in terms of like it reminds me of i don't know if either of you ever played the the strike series that like desert strike urban strike nuclear strike uh no back on like snes or whatever it, you you basically were in a helicopter in an on an isometric map and you would just uh, fly around uh blowing stuff up like okay i gotta go blow up there are three of these bases i gotta go blow them all up or there's civilians at this being held at this thing i gotta go blow this stuff up and then like rescue them um and so it's basically uh, everything is is slight variations on you doing the exact same thing, which is what everything almost everything in uh, Far Cry's open world is, uh, ver- uh, with the exception of when uh, you get kidnapped spontaneously by the game because you hit a certain threshold in the whatever resistance meter or martial meter I don't know whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and the the idea of the game taking control away from you or s- or like uh, hunting you down or sort of completely reversing the odds of uh, you were originally exploring this place from a position of, of sort of control and power and now all of a sudden uh, you are sort of running for your life and uh, is a very interesting moment that the game never again kind of is able to do anything with because it, it uses it to segue into these extremely tedious cutscenes where uh, characters have these monologues but without any sort of direction or point to them. Um, It's not like you have any sort of real choice in the game as to, like, how you respond to them. Uh, Because in the end, you you just go around uh, killing slash capturing or doing whatever anyway. Um, Mm. Oh, God, that game.
1: Yeah. And one thing I was thinking about, too, and especially with them making this uh, sequel thing, is... Because I I think about that, and the ending... (laughs) The ending actually is sort of interesting. That they finally do something um, that they make some sort of comment on well maybe this person who is preaching doom and everything turns out to be turns out to be right and there's interesting implications in that but then the game ends and then they're saying well we're gonna make some more of this that's afterward but I think about that and I just feel tired because (laughs) like (laughs) when when interesting things happen in, in this kind of game and this is just so common now in these big open world games that are just supposed to be kind of like crowd pleasers um, when interesting things happen it's so it spreads so far apart and it's so just like tiny that it feels like it's on the player has to do like an outsized amount of work to make sense of what's going on or to find any meaning in it like you have to I don't know. It, it's like watching a 30 hour long superhero movie and where it's mostly just fights and then saying, okay, this is what this was
3: about. And which just, is, it's... which is like most superhero
1: movies. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but they at least have the, <laughs> the good grace is to only be two and a half hours long. Um, but it's it just, that's one of the things about this game is just, it's, exhausting and it just feels like it's sort of talking down to you all the time and I feel like that's a big tendency with so many games where it's just saying this isn't about the real world but it is if you want to put in the work but we're not going to give you our opinion that's up to you to decide and it's just it's like non-art it's <laughs> I'm not saying it's it is art but it's just It's, like, insulting. It's not good entertainment. It's not good art. It's just, like, killing time on the way to the grave. And I think about, you can play one of those games for five hours, and you stop, and you think, what did I do? And you were just kind of, like, in this fugue state of checking things off. And I don't know. You can do that sort of thing. You can have that kind of design, and you can do really interesting things with it, and you can say something, and you can... Or, or just be like aesthetically interesting and it's just so watery and yeah I'm with you Ethan Astrid you loved it though
2: right? yeah Yeah, that's why I haven't said anything um, I'm just in shock no so obviously Far Cry 5 was really bad and um, I think I just stopped playing it which was sort of a running theme because I did write about it but I got, like, to a point where I think actually my save file, like, got corrupted or something, which was, like, uh, Divine Intervention, so I just (laughs) didn't pick it back up, but I never really expected to like it, because I know how sort of, like, wishy-washy and sort of, like, surface level those games are. I've always felt like they've... 3, 4, and now 5 feel like the same game with like varying degrees of like um, I don't know like cartoonish villains and then like different capital E exotic locations and stuff like they all have a very similar uh, approach and it's just not for me so I don't think I could say it was the worst for me um, because I just didn't expect it to click um it is very bad i don't want to give the wrong impression it's terrible but i sort of expected to dislike it
1: i wonder then uh if we should because i was going to ask ethan what his favorite game was but maybe we should just get all this this bile out of our systems that's a good idea and cleanse ourselves so then because i'm curious when you said it's not it's not the uh, the bottom of the barrel for you, Astrid, what
2: is. So I was thinking about this and I did not I would I would say Agony, but again Honestly, I think for me Agony I wanted to like it more. Like it it was like on my wavelength where it appeared to mm-hmm. be. Even though it looked like super like corny and stuff, like the setting and the well, before they started um, <laughs> like listing features and stuff of the game, which was like when things started to go wrong, and it was like there's gonna be sex, but what just like screenshots and stuff, I was like, all right, I'm gonna be into this, and I was like excited, and then obviously uh-huh. it's just a shambles. <laughs> on it's it's like sheer ineptitude. Um, we shared that also... journey together, Astrid. Yeah, I remember. for, I like about, years. Yeah, like, oh hell yeah! <laughs> but and then being was, like, "Oh,
1: this is looking a little not great." Yeah,
2: it was pretty ropey. Like Evan, I was like watching gameplay like six months before it came out. I was like, "Oh yeah, it looks okay," <laughs> and then <laughs> it was terrible. But like, I also strongly disliked God of War. Um, I think having to finish God of War, and like just. <laughs> having all enthusiasm evaporate like six hours into it and then just sort of like a death march through like the last 20. That game is like probably the most egregiously long game that I've played this year. Again, because I like determined to finish it and it was just like grinding your face against granite. It was like, it really goes on and on and it doesn't really switch it up. Like it sort of gives you the same stuff throughout the whole game until the end. You're fighting like the same guys and there's sort of like the same uh, interactions between you and your son and whatever else you're talking to the whole game. It's just like over and over and you're playing in like this sort of like unnaturally small theme park area that like it's like a recursive space, but in like a really sort of like obvious and blunt way. Mm-hmm. Like, you can look at each modular part and be like, all right, there's where I'm going to come out when I leave this area. Yeah. Um. And then I sort of didn't fuck with Celeste. Um, yeah. At all. <laughs> <laughs> that game sucks. <laughs> Which is maybe controversial because mechanically it's, like, sort of sharp, I guess. Yeah. But it's sharp in a way that I feel like it's, like, playing a score, like a piece of sheet music. And, like, you are piling what's on the sheet and your professor won't let you add vibrato on that note. And, like, mm-hmm. it's just very rigid. Um, there's sort of, like, two paths through every area, which is, like, get the berries, which is more daring. And then there's just go through it. And, like, I, I just, maybe I'm just not into that particular oh. genre of platformer anymore because I do, like... In general, I like sort of um, demanding, precision-based platforming stuff. But sort of, I don't know. Maybe I don't. Is what I'm saying.
1: I don't like those like multiple ways through places. I think the game looks and sounds like.
2: Yeah. Well, did you get? To <laughs> the, I the feel bad because like... hotel bit.
1: No, I played okay. it. I honestly well, played I actually it for an really hour like that last level. night. Okay. And, and put it down in disgust
2: <laughs> yeah it, it sort of didn't grab me until the haunted hotel and after that I was like well that was it like uh, I like I'm that one do level more. okay but, but it has like a cool little mini story there and it's like cute and the platforming is like just varied enough there there's like a few um, mechanics I guess that they introduce that make it more fun but it's just I don't really get it maybe it's just not for me I'm not even talking about like the sort of twee aesthetic because I thought some of the stuff was funny and some of it was stupid but like whatever the core of it just was not mine
1: I haven't played enough to know about that but I just think these pseudo pixel art and Mm -hmm. chiptune things is just Mm. enough stop it stop it well, Stop it.
2: yeah, I was thinking about dead cells too because I didn't like that, but I wouldn't say it was like awful. I like but dead it. Also, cells. has the like sort of was... yeah, it has like that idiot tone to it where it's like yeah. just like some caffeinated child like yelling memes at you that he's reading <laughs> on his phone or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Shout out to all the kids who listen to us. Um, <laughs> but I do like there are like some pixely, retro platformers that I really yeah. love. Like, Momodora is, like, the furry platformer that I always bring up that's really cool. And then Salt and Sanctuary is the one everybody hates because it's ugly, but it's that game really fun. That
1: is perhaps the ugliest game I've ever seen.
2: So maybe I just have the complete opposite opinions on these kinds of games.
1: That chiptune soundtrack is... Like, the melodies and everything are fine. It's just... <laughs> It's the start of, you know, an IGN podcast about, like, our favorite games of the year or something. It's just, it's
2: every, I don't even I, remember the music. Oh, it's just... I don't You're know. saying the, or, the way that it's arranged, not necessarily the music itself. Yeah,
1: it's just these warbly chiptune shit. Like, enough. Yeah. Like, yeah, Nintendo. There was an original Nintendo. It had audio limitations that make some people feel warm and fuzzy inside.
3: So, so I definitely don't... I don't hate Celeste, but I, I agree with what Astrid was saying about the sort of rigidity of, of, like, playing a musical score. I think it's interesting when you look at the, like, old Nintendo platformers, you know, Mario games, that so many of these are in some way, like, I don't know, in dialogue with. It's... Mm-hmm. there's so much sort of freedom and... Uh, like like, it, it, like your your end goal on the levels is always very clear, but there's so many uh, sort of unexpected or like not completely p- predictable things that happen on the way there. Um, yeah. But then you look at something like Celeste, and it's very much like it's like I'm being drilled um, in yeah, a way, which 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 is yeah. not something. And I there I agree, there definitely like I you know uh, I think Downwell is a is a type of game mm, where yeah 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 that works sort of well, that mentality, but in uh, mm-hmm. some, but I, I don't know if it's just the mood of Celeste or the sensibility and the story, but like it's just not the type of thing I want to be doing in that world, as even like opposed to uh, Tower Fall, yeah. um, which is, I think, by the same people, right? Um, or yeah, that's one down, of the same designers, yeah. Uh, and even in that game, which is like you're, you're sort of strapped to these levels uh, playing against either uh, waves of enemies or other players, there's this sort of freedom to move around it how you want and dip in and out of the left and right sides of the screen or up and down. And, like, it. I, I think that in that context, I actually enjoy the look and the uh, their whatever their mix, their formula is for how quickly you accelerate and how much you fall when you jump. Like, I I, 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 I do like that feel a lot. I just don't like what yeah. it's being put to in Celeste. Yeah, I
2: guess that's... Yeah, because it does... It has, like, that sort of, like, enjoyable snappiness. And, like, the mountain climbing thing is sort of, like, well-implemented. But, yeah, just navigating with those tools is not really as engaging as I thought it would be.
1: I think, yeah, both of you put it really well, especially Ethan talking about it's, like, each... It's, like, a test or something. And I think that's part of what I, aside from the... um, the the look and sound of it, which I really don't like, the that I kind of bounced off, um, is like going to another screen, and then the screen is figure out how to solve this, like sort of Meat Boy style, mm. um, and that's just yeah. not. I mean, it it positions itself as being, I guess it is about like a series of challenges, but I kind of wanted to feel like I was moving towards something rather than um sort of being challenged room by room like i, I would much rather I see, see yeah that okay. kind of thing being used to like you're going you know uh, what across is,
2: yeah what is that style of design where it's like instead of like going through a side scrolling level it's like just each screen is like a static area
1: uh that's the zelda one <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly I honestly don't know. I feel like it's like Super Meat Boys the really only is like the first game that I can really think of that sort of took that and was like we're just each thing is going to be a little puzzle yeah. to get through. And like SlimeSon and a, a bunch of other platformers since have sort of adopted that as like a I guess a very piecemeal a uh, uh easy way to sort of focus development as like a small team working on a small game. But
2: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um actually I think okay, I think I know what my absolute worst game is though.
1: Okay, lay down the gauntlet.
2: <clears throat> it's, um... Uh, don't Not Entertainment's Vampire.
1: <laughs> the worst?
2: Absolutely. Come like, on. <laughs> so this, I think it's because I liked Life is Strange to an extent. I mm-hmm. love vampire stories. Um, So I was like, I was very primed for this. There was never a point where I was like... Uh, this might. This looks shitty. Like I just jumped into it. I was like, okay, let's do it, and it's just fucking. Oh, it's so bad. I think I wrote in my article. I was like, I don't have anything to say about this game. I hate it. Like it's just. I think the confluence of like things I like and then
0: that the was sheer
2: done. yeah, just the sheer like.
1: It's a very monotonous game, Passionless,
2: commentary. yeah, monotony, just, like, laborious sort of, like, systems that are just, like, choking you because you can't just, I don't know, like, the whole world of that game and, like, what they do with the vampire stuff is just sort of, like, the, the least exciting possible variant of, like, a vampire game where you can affect the city or the district with your, um... Uh, Vampire choices. (laughs) It's like. It is really like they watch the Nick and they're like, what if this was completely uninteresting and also a fantasy?
1: I like that game well enough. I thought it was fun. You fucking
2: bitch. Okay.
1: (laughs) But also, some of these worst of things, it's just like feels like we're cataloging uh, ways in which uh, the site almost fell into complete. Spare. That's when,
2: yeah i'm thinking about those games where i was like dm and i was like what the fuck am i doing like i have nothing to say it sucks
1: that one got to ed too i think
2: yeah if that and felt i liked there to... <laughs> were a few of those this year but i feel like far cry well you did so much research for far cry that it was like you yeah, were gonna have was... something right no matter what but yeah, Vampires in a
1: sense. <laughs> like reading like three books in preparation to write something about cults and American evangelism and, <laughs> and then just being like
2: <laughs> Yeah. That was me on. for you Vampire. Sucker. I had like yeah. a stack of like twelve books and I was like I should just be writing the game. <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah. So I think I'm gonna go vampire. For okay. emotional reasons.
1: Um Yeah. So I guess just to be quick then, all great choices in this horrible category. A few notable mentions for me uh that weren't covered are Metal Gear Survive and
2: Detroit Become Human. We're both yep.
1: different <laughs> different flavors of nauseas. Um Do
2: we have sorry, do we have a most interesting failure award?
1: Um no. Because That's what I, I I win every year.
2: Yeah. Well you're a shoe in, but I think, for me, Detroit had, like, some really great ideas. It did. Again, I'm going to fucking talk out my ass here about, like, the (laughs) completely wrong game. But, like, some of the choice stuff and, like, the branching narrative and the... Even just, like, the... Like, with these types of, like, I don't even know what to call them, cinematic games, I'm cringing into myself as i say this but like i guess adventure games like they always do this thing where it's like okay what are the <laughs> what are the activities i'm actually gonna be doing in this game um aside from selecting dialogue mm. and i think some of the stuff in detroit is like really cool actually
1: i think that's why um, people keep playing those games or at least yeah, it's why like you i want like...
2: what they come up with like heavy rain had some like the time at the time maybe because I'm sure if you go back it's like really stiff um doesn't hold up but some of the fist fights and Heavy Rain and stuff I remember like thinking were really cool mm-hmm. and in general I think <clears throat> the one thing Quantic Dream is good at um is like smoothing over any gaps that might be created by you fucking up mhm um, so like if you select the wrong thing or you miss a, like a quick time event or whatever, like the game sort of like accommodates that and it makes it part of the scene. But then I don't know. There's like the the robot cop is like vaguely compelling. Um, mm-hmm. I think everything in that game except Marcus, who coincidentally is like the main character, is really cool. And the fact that you can off him, like halfway through, was like a big plus for me. It was like you get to select a Marcus free run, basically. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the stuff in that game was cool. Obviously, metaphorically, thematically, script wise, fairly rough. Um, uh, yeah. Quantic Dream is an employer. Probably not a great rating on Glassdoor, but yeah, some cool uh, things that they came up with.
1: I like. I'm tempted to start talking about the specific reasons why that game bothers me but I do agree with some of the stuff. Yeah, that I mean you like it's but so
2: much of it is terrible. That's yeah, it's really bad. There's
1: also there's the episode we did too about it that Yeah, I think, I think we, we
2: covered literally everything in the game in that episode. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um so I'm going to give my my award uh, close close runner up. I was originally going to pick Far Cry 5. Um Close runner-up, the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, um, <laughs> is is a very very bad game. Um, but I think I'm going to give it to Delta Rune, um, which God continues. Damn. Whoa! Con- continues. Like on sacred the path,
2: Cow slaughter fest. And <laughs>
1: continues in the the grand tradition of uh, Undertale by being um, visually reprehensible and uh thematically sort of the depth of a, a, an 11-year-old um intellectually it's uh just the most useless garbage fucking feel good nonsense like just it's it sucks it sucks so bad and i Is forgot it, how much i hated undertale until i played through this thing
3: it's feel good what's feel good about it
1: it's Okay, here's the world, it's dangerous and dark, but if you're nice to people, everything is going to be good. Everything's going to work out. And See, then I've, this always, game... I've
3: always taken it as sort of the opposite. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just making shit up, but, like, <laughs> to me, it was always the, like, uh, like there's this sort of Mr. Rogers, like, oh, like, you know, we will all be nice and be friends and shit, but actually the world is just, like, a terrible fucking place, and there's, like, all these people that just aren't just fucked up by that mr rogers approach to it because it just leaves mm-hmm. all these wounds bestering but that's just my own personal reading of that but, of that world ethan this is the game that okay so you're
1: really nice and then there's some nazis in your hometown but if you just go up to them and they're like beating you in the face and you're just like hey hey, hey here's a joke and then they start laughing and then they stop beating you up and then you're friends like it's just that's a terrible analogy. It's too early in the day for this. But it's, <laughs> it's just like, to me, it's just so dishonest. And
3: See, I don't I take say, that part at face value, though.
1: I will say one thing that may contextualize this a little bit. Um, I was not raised... I was raised very loosely Christian. I went to a Mennonite high school as a non-Mennonite. Oh, and it comes so, out. Uh, <laughs> the hypocrisies of... I, I am by and large a pacifist, but the the hypocrisies of how sort of like the real the real politic of pacifism um, on a grand scale I think is sometimes nauseating and there's something about this game saying trying to extend out in this kind of like fairy tale metaphor way of of there is never any reason for aggression or or if there is, you will be sort of like, Punished in in unassuming ways for it, um, and and this game, this Delta goes even further because there's this character who like can't be controlled, and she always wants to attack. So you have to like stop her from attacking as one of your turns, and then she's redeemed because she just needed a friend. You know, like it's just like maybe for like honestly like this sounds super mean, but like for an eight year old, this is a cool game. But like just the The idea that this is some statement, that this is some effective, like, meaningful anything other than just sort of like a, a, I don't know, it also looks like shit, too, which (laughs) I shouldn't under- like, I feel like that, that needs to be said more, is that these games are just disgusting looking.
3: I feel you got. I feel like this is all just a a conspiracy to try to get all the Toby Fox uh, stands to come and and post the podcast and. No, they won't find And boost 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 visibility. Yeah, they they're they fucking vicious,
2: this. which is sort of ironic, I guess. When no, if you just talk to them, they calm game. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: if you tell them a meme, then they'll laugh, and then uh, if you say doggo to them a few <laughs>
2: times, they. Uh... I've never ever played, or I even think. I've never even seen any Undertale. I think I tried playing it maybe when it first came out. And yeah, it was um, not attractive.
1: It's also a game about a game. They're all games about games, meta well, see, commentary. And
3: yeah, and that's the thing. I think you got to take a lot of that. I don't think it's like a commentary on pacifism or like morality. It's so much as like the, the way, the stuff you do in other games. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you can play the first game as a, just killing everything. And I think that's a perfectly satisfactory way to play it.
1: Well, Ethan, are you going to leak this to the the Toby Fox fans and <laughs> and have them attack me non stop?
2: Um, Reed, do you wanna do you want expound on the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit briefly? Is that a
3: real game? That... What is that? <laughs> it? Was,
1: uh, I'm not even sure if I got the name right. I wrote it down from memory last
2: time. I night. think that's correct, yeah.
1: It's um the sort of like prequel free episode they put out before life is strange too um so don't nod and the premise is that you're a little boy um so that's already not going well with the little boy voice and the power of imagination and uh (laughs) his father is like distraught i think their mother his mother died the little boy um and he's, like, retreated into this fantasy world, and his father is an alcoholic, so he's, like, really nice, and then becomes abusive, and, you know, that's really an interesting thing to talk about, and it's handled really, really poorly. It's like someone wrote, like, you know, the Emma Donoghue book, The Room, uh, but they... I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to, like, say something <laughs> hyperbole to, like, describe how... What does the superhero thing running? have
2: to do with it?
1: Well, he dresses up like a superhero. Okay. And he is lives. that
2: related to the stuff with his dad?
1: Yeah, I don't know. His dad's like super uh, traumatizing or something. I don't know. No, his dad's like. I mean, he's the idea is that he's he plays pretend because everything around him is really difficult and right. and so, terrible.
2: Yeah. standard. It's like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, um is his dad like the super villain.
1: No. No, no. Cuz no, because it's actually that's the thing like there are elements of it that I think are good. Um, like in that it, it doesn't just make his dad this clear-cut villain, right? It's not just he it's not just you're playing and the door swings open and it's, you know, non-stop. Yeah. It's it's his dad who really does care about his son and the son loves him and uh, he's a decent dad, but he goes off the handle when he's drinking um so it's a bit more it seems to understand the dynamics of that kind of behavior better but it also i think just the way it's presented is sort of it's really it, it's it's like they're not up to the task of doing this oh, of, i can
2: believe that yeah this is um don't nod we're not so good at like delicacy
1: yeah and i think they get away with it sometimes like in in the first life is strange because of the high school setting allows them to get yes. away with so much, yeah. but yeah. when it's a little kid and the idea of like the fantasy life and everything, and you know, it opens with like a Sufian song and Oof. it's just like, sort of
3: <laughs> what year so, is it? Uh,
1: I wonder if it is supposed to be like 2005 or something like Illinois hours. <laughs> <laughs> the height mania, but yeah, I just think it's, it's really inept and I think it, it's, um, it just kind of highlights that they're maybe not as aware of their strengths and weaknesses as you would hope.
0: Yeah.
2: Did you uh, play Life is Strange 2?
1: No, I will, eventually. I also played like the Before the Storm thing, which wasn't them. It was the scab game. Yeah. Uh,
2: and I thought that was
1: awful as well, so... My don't-not-enthusiasm I mean... is... I'm yeah. I
2: didn't play Life is Strange 2, but... It terrifies me the realms that they're starting to venture into with that game.
1: It sucks, right? Because you want games to do that. You want them to be able to, like, engage with the world and with things happening, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe leave it
2: to another studio.
1: Yeah. All right. So, should we move on? I feel bad now. I feel like I was just being a.
3: Well, this is, the, this is the time to be positive now, so, you know. It's usually...
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: All right. T- take the blood from the slaughtered lambs and uh, use it to uh, <laughs> celebrate uh, the winners. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: to paint our doors. Um,
3: <laughs> that's the holiday, right? Yeah,
1: that's, <laughs> that's non denominational here. Let's just blend everything together. Uh, Ethan, back to you, you ray of sunshine.
3: What was your favorite game? Oh gosh, that you right. this year? <sighs> I'm not ready yet. <laughs> Are you not? Here, I'm, sp- I'm all right. I'll, I'll just do the cop out and just do a split of like I don't really have a favorite game this year. Like I have a couple that I'll, that I can talk about that I really like, but it's it, this part of the season is hard. Um, it, so one of the hardest things about actually writing about games full time is like finding time to actually play games. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it would be easier because I'd be like, oh, well now instead of like writing about games in my free time uh, and having to play them in my free time, I can be like, you know, splitting that up more. But like there's a bunch of sort of... So so the one of the easy things about the end of the year is everyone starts talking about their favorite games of the year and then you can kind of go through and easily be, identify like, oh, this one looks really interesting. A lot of people are talking about it. It doesn't look like an obvious sort of Oscar bait type game. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, mm-hmm. And so like there's a bunch of stuff... Uh, that I've been meaning to go back to uh, and finish, like, The Missing. Um, There's the mech novella game that I'm forgetting the name to right now. Uh, Uh, Heaven will be mine. Yeah. um, There's a lot of stuff like that that I'm like, this could probably maybe easily be on my list, or at least be, like, more interesting than a lot of the stuff that I've been playing. Um, So I've got, like, 10, 15 hours set aside to try and plow through half that. Uh, But having not done that yet... um, I I so so I think the three games I've probably had the most fun playing this year, um, or like favorite in that regard are probably Artifact, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Super Smash Brothers. Um Whoa. which are some of the gamiest fucking games out there. Uh and, and and in quick order, uh so Smash Brothers I think is is not actually one of uh you know, no one's gonna put Smash Brothers in the in the uh M- Museum of Modern Art. Uh and it's not even this. This particular game's not even one of the better Smash Brothers games, I don't think. But I think Smash Brothers is still one of the best feeling. I, it's it, multiplayer games always get short shrift because it's like if you don't have people to play them with, they like they lose their magic. But I think it's still one of the all-time best gaming formulas. Uh, Artifact is a card game released by Valve that has a shitty economy, um, but is itself uh, as a designed product really interesting and fun uh, and takes a lot of the things I love about Dota 2 which is probably one of my top five games of all time uh, and puts it into card form which is a genre that I just have a lot of fun with Um, I think in part because my mind has a tendency to work that way in terms of like looking at discrete objects and pieces of information and then like trying to decide how to position and move them around uh even though i'm usually very unsuccessful at it um and artifact is uh, is unlike well i guess in addition to gwent and some others but it's just it's not a hearthstone ripoff uh which is also very nice like it's just a very it's a completely different kind of game and arguably it's like a completely new genre of card game um but then assassin's creed odyssey which is probably the game that uh youtube maybe had the most experience with so we can sort of talk about more is. Uh, the first Assassin's Creed game I've really gotten into. Um, and I just, the entire, I, I, I had a, there's there's a lot of things I like about it and I love the idea, I love the setting, I love Ancient Greece, I love the idea of being able to sort of go from island to island in a mm-hmm. way that, that is very, uh, it's extremely abbreviated um, spatially, uh, unlike even, I think, uh, The Witcher, where when you go to Skellige, there's really nothing in between you and Skellige and there's the sense of like, you're just really going to another place and so like once you fast travel to Skellige there's really no point to ever actually go and sail back to it because that unless you're like I don't know looking for treasure in the ocean there's there's not much going on but so I like the idea the, the sense that Assassin's Creed Odyssey creates in a very video gamey way of uh, hopscotching around different islands where different people you know are and there are different problems to solve and different people to kill um, and just the I think you know uh, visually it's, it's one of the more Even though I don't really like the color palette, I think it's one of the more striking games. Uh, But at the same time, it's also a very Ubisoft game, and there's just... um, I struggled, and I wonder if if, uh, maybe there are quests that I missed, that, like, I struggled to see anything in that game that was very... uh, That, like, narratively or character-wise, I was like, oh, wow, I really care about this fictional character all of a sudden. Or, wow, I wasn't expecting this thing to happen, and now I'm in this weird situation, and I'm like oh, I feel weird about this thing that I just did in this game and, like, I gotta go think about that or at least have this feeling settle. Instead, it was always very much like, all right, I'm just gonna go kill some more stuff and, like, uh, go hunt for some more treasure and I really just want to level up so I can assassinate all of these, uh, like, terrible bourgeois plutocrats who are trying to run everything. Um, and so... Uh, uh, what was I gonna... Um, oh, so so what, like, you were saying, Reed, about how, uh, I think it was with God of no it was was some other game but but this idea of uh, how a lot of games sort of had these very quick story elements that are like and this oh we were talking about with Far Cry and the bomb dropping and it's like and then this thing happened and like that you know doesn't that like change how you think about everything and like whoa that was a big moment like what do you think about that and it's like no like the story in Assassin's Creed Odyssey is so partitioned and feels it felt to me so separate and short compared to the majority of what you do in that game that it was almost like just a different game
0: Hmm.
3: see I
1: I'm with you I liked um, I liked Origins last year as well I liked Odyssey I liked Origins probably a little bit more Um, but I'm also always kind of cautious about how I feel about these games exactly because I'm always I'm always enticed to play them because you know I like studied history in school I still read history just um, for my own enjoyment. And so the idea of these games saying we funneled all this ridiculous money into trying to kind of make like this little time capsule um, its just sort of like wish fulfillment in a really basic form that I like from a video game. Like just saying okay, hey, you can go to um, France during the revolution or you can go to renaissance era italy um it's just something that's impressive even if i don't like the games or, or what they're about necessarily so um it's a long way of saying i like assassin's creed odyssey but i thought the the story the one thing about that uh because i agree with you the way it's presented is so it's a really limp story too it doesn't have there's a driving force in it for maybe a a handful of hours at some point near the beginning, and then it just sort of like hums along in the background. And it's bizarre because it's set during uh, the beginning of the Peloponnesian War. And this is a setting that you can do so much interesting stuff. And the Assassin's Creed games used to kind of jump from major... um, historical moment to historical moment within the era um, so you would kind of get all the greatest hits of a time period like the one that was you know the French or American revolutions you're going from important battles and executions and all of these uh, all of these moments you would think of as important to the era uh, but Origins and well Origins is a little bit more but Odyssey especially is just sort of hey here's the Peloponnesian War one or two notable things from the year the game is set will happen um, with uh, an important character dying um, or something like that. And otherwise, it's sort of like you're in this weird half-frozen version of, I think it's 431 BCE, and the story is just kind of like humming along as part of this larger tapestry. So it didn't feel separate as much as it felt like it just was... Like, they gave you the plot outline and then said, we're not really going to bother with it anymore. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and it's, I, I think it's, it's interesting because I, I, I don't think it's really something movies would try to do. Like, when you have a period movie, it's, it's like the rule number one is like, all right, but we got to have, like, something that would be good even if people don't give a shit about this period. Um, so mm-hmm. I think there is something interesting about this game series that increasingly has spent the majority of its resources on creating a more detailed replica of a specific time and place and then creating ever more complex systems for you to try to uh engage with it and i and it is weird it's almost like what would assassin's creed odyssey be uh if they took out the historical stuff entirely and that was just a fixture in the background of like, oh, you hear about this guy you you hear about stuff going on, but really you're just concerned about your parents and your sister or brother and uh, the uh, the cult that is trying to manipulate stuff Um, because it does create, it's like, I feel like they they either got to choose one or the other and sort of going halfway with it left me lukewarm, where like, I could have also gone the other way of just like, fuck historical accuracy, like, let me change events or let me do what I want because it's not like I don't think uh, the games are interested in sort of like phil- philosophy of history questions or like the way people try to to uh, the w- the way people try to understand the truth of the past or what they should do with that once they feel like they've found it it's not like I, I feel like the games really care about that um, so the idea of trying to be historically accurate and like You know, Pericles has to do this and then Sparta has to do this. Like, I don't necessarily see the benefit to that approach either. Um,
1: Well, it's like it's kind of interesting because I mean, I wrote something uh, along these lines this year about Odyssey, but I think one thing these games have always kind of been hamstrung by, but it gives them an interesting opportunity sometimes, is the whole Templar assassin, you know, good versus evil sort of thing they have going on. And I think like last year in Origins they used that to pretty good effect with the historical setting because it ended up being sort of this this uh, condemnation of just like tyranny uh of just blanket tyranny and you know the game ended with uh well maybe I won't say it because it's not that important to what I'm talking about but it it ends with a famous historical figure meeting his end. Um, because of his tyranny. And it kind of said, well, those that's how the Templars started, was these kind of people in history who sort of are just enforcing their will on others and, and taking away important sort of like human rights from them. And then in this game, I was thinking, well, how do they even do that with this period of war or period of time? Because, you know, the Peloponnesian War, even if you just want to make it really simple, it's really hard to say... Um, that the Athenians or the Spartans, you know, the Corinthians or the Delians or whatever it is, or not the Delians and the Christ, the Peloponnesians. (laughs) Um, I read a bunch of shit about this, played this game, wrote it. And then it's like fading from my memory. Um, but, but to say that one side or the other, the Sparta led side or the Athens led side are, are villains or heroes because you know, the, the Peloponnesian War was sort of like World War I. It was just sort of a bunch of assholes who were expanding their hegemony and then rubbing up against each other and then going to war. And then all these other states are kind of being sucked into it and forced to fight on behalf of these powers. Um, and this game, I thought it was kind of interesting how they still kept that, <coughs> that Assassin's Creed stuff. And it made more sense almost to just keep it in stasis and say, well, things just kind of suck for most people right now because there's war going on. Um and instead of instead of trying to show you like some of the important events of the Peloponnesian War, it was more so saying here's Greece at this period of time, or the Greek world at this period of time and you can just go from state to state and see how people are, are trying to deal with living in the midst of this really huge war. And so if they kind of ditch more of that stuff entirely, I don't know, I feel like it's got to be like a case-by-case basis. But I I ended up liking what they did with this one. Even though if you described it to me just like that, I don't think I would. Also, it's pretty. It's very pretty.
3: (laughs) One one last thing I will say about that. I do, I like uh, the idea of uh, when you can weaken a specific section for, of whoever is being controlled from, either Athens or Sparta, and then engage in a battle and then throw the support one way or the other, I like that uh, um, that mechanic. But I, I think it's. I, I'm curious. It it seems like something that didn't. Again, they could have like if if they because they have to keep this war just in flux and sort of ongoing. So like you you your role in them actually doesn't matter. And basically like, there's whole sections of the game yeah. that you realize like, Oh, there's really no reason to even fuck with this. Like,
1: yeah, I stopped doing it pretty quickly because it was just nothing. It was just very nothing. And that's like one of the weird sort of the most blatantly kind of, you can affect the course of history things. Is just like being like, okay, this state is controlled by Sparta now or it's controlled by Athens, but it doesn't really matter at all. <laughs> it just changes like who people will send you to go and kill this many lieutenants of, of which side. Um, but yeah, I kind of felt like that stuff would have been more interesting if they could have maybe just done three or four of those larger battles for control and just kind of made it based around actual battles if they wanted to have that sort of larger scale. Um... It's like them, I think, probably trying to like have a little bit of like Iliad style. Here's a bunch of Greeks on some plane yeah. stabbing each other for a while.
3: Yeah, it was one of the bullet points. for like, "Hey, can we get some uh, 300 moments? We need some more of those."
1: Yeah. Um, and I would say something about Smash Brothers or Artifact, except I have not played, not played either of them, so I have no opinion.
3: Not surprised. Fake gamers over here. <laughs>
1: Listen, we did a whole year of Kingdom Hearts, and I feel like Smash Bros. <laughs> occupies the same space in my mind of, like, brand mashups. I think it will be in a museum one day. Contrary uh, to what I'm
3: I, I guarantee, I would not be surprised at all if they throw Sora into uh, Smash Bros. Why not? Oh, man. They've man. They've got three more DLC to announce. They already pulled, I mean, oh. Persona 5 and... Square did Cloud last time, but they have a new one to throw potentially this time. So, and with that release coming out, it would make a lot of sense.
1: Oh my god! And then Astrid and I have to play it. <laughs> it's,
0: it's completely yeah, open. It's,
2: it becomes part of the the universe. Um, so I didn't play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I'm kind of interested because yeah, people have been saying it's like sort of fresh. Um. And also the uh, Cassandra, is that her name?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. she has
2: a really strong jaw, and so do I, and it's nice to see that <laughs> represented <laughs> out there
1: <laughs> uh, I will say too, that even though the plot and everything is like and there aren't I agree with Ethan that there aren't very many memorable characters, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff in it that just outright sucks, like they took one of the most interesting characters in human history, which is at Alcibiades's and made him. Just like a Marquis de Sade kind of character, uh, Cassandra. Even when she's just talking about just boring stuff, is really good, really interesting. Yeah. Like, like her I taking a not... mission to do something is just interesting.
2: Yeah, she seems cool. Um, I wasn't expecting Marquis de Sade shade on this episode, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um. So. I guess I will go now. I have sort of a little list here. So I think my overall sorry, there's a siren in the background. That's Um,
1: Toby Fox supporters are coming to arrest me. Yeah, they shut it down,
2: so (laughs) Um I have been playing two games that are actually I'm pretty much still playing all of these, if I'm gonna be real with you. But I started The Missing, and I really want to like The Missing because of the subject matter and the sort of, um, the tone it has is really interesting to me, um, but I can't really say either way yet if it's good or not, so that's provisional.
1: The ending's good. It's worth seeing through.
2: Okay. It has some, like, um, queer stuff in it that is obviously... I need to get to that, so... That's provisionally, I might like that a lot. Um, Dragon Quest Eleven, I
0: like. Oh. <laughs> oh.
2: I've played like 15 hours of that maybe. Um, and it's very chill. Um, it's very rudimentary, I think. Um, I just have like auto battle on. I like auto run through areas it's pretty much like as um, low investment as you can get if you're actually gonna be playing something still, um, but I just like seeing, like the, the art, the Toriyama art in like HD, and everyone has like a cool epic design and stuff, and there's a bunch of like cool looking dogs, so, yeah, that's not really a strong recommendation. And then Ethan, I'm... what's your? Hold on, though. <laughs> yeah, what just is? Really... I'm curious, yeah
1: just like a, a short summary opinion because i want to play this game
3: so so i agree like i uh, obviously uh, josh clixto really talked it up to us and uh, I, I like he, he was so enthusiastic and some other people and i was like all right i gotta try this um and plus like i love role-playing game or japanese role-playing games and uh I always wanted to really get into a dragon quest um and i agree like the art it looks amazing it's fun to run through the environments um even the sort of simple combat is like easy enough to gr- it's fun to grind through on auto and then when you get to like a boss fight like be like you know put your thinking cap on i'm like all right how- what's what's the easiest way to go through this um, but then like every time i get to i played like what, t- 10 12 hours every time i you get to like Uh, a point in the plot where you gotta do something. It's just, like, the most tedious bullshit of, like... uh, uh, The conversations are just mind-numbing, and, like... uh, Honestly, I could be (laughs) a lot more forgiving if... uh, If they could just patch out that god-awful fucking soundtrack. The soundtrack
2: is brutal.
3: It's like someone was, like... uh, Someone... Was in love with bugle horns or like, some, I, don't, oh I, don't, no. I don't know, f- I don't know, fucking music, but it's like random ass <laughs> brass instruments and was like, what if uh, that shit that like you played uh, when a marching band was warming up, uh, <laughs> or like, you know, when the jazz band at the high school is like getting ready to go on, like you just did that for the entire game nonstop, no matter what the mood was, no matter yeah. what the environment was. Like, I, I, that, and, and music is very important for me. We we're talking uh, a little bit below, I think, before we start recording, and, like, uh, Jim yeah. Guthrie's, uh, soundtrack for that game, um... adds so if, much if that, to it, or it's so important that, if, to it. Yeah, if that was not there, I would have fucking bailed on that shit, like, an hour in, um, and I think Dragon Quest is similar, and I think a lot of Japanese role-playing games are, where, uh, you really need that music to grease the wheels to sort of keep you invested in the world, and I think between, like, the visual composition and the music go a long way towards like making the experience of pressing the x button over and over and over somewhere really impactful and i just think uh dragon quest is missing some of those key elements
2: yeah so hmm. yeah the music is like indefensible it's like a I read also sure made totally by this. like a
3: war
1: crime yeah the guy like he, man, yeah he's
2: so. yeah so he sucks personally and also the whole game is like he's got like a full orchestra blowing at like every possible moment and Isn't it's like, like all MIDI fanfare it's so weird is it
1: actually orchestral though like acoustic or is it i thought it was like i don't know if it's or something.
2: midi yeah it might be midi but either way it just it's so inappropriate <laughs> it is yeah it's like the most tasteless application of like music in a game this year maybe um, but yeah, aside from that, I do enjoy it. What if I, I think... play it
1: on computer and maybe someone will have made like some mod where that's not, that doesn't work though. You, can't yeah, you just...
2: can not patch in your own music. Um, you can listen to Marshmallow and Diplo while you play Dragon Quest or whatever. <laughs> um... But yeah, I think it's good. I do think it's, like, maybe a little bare-bones, but that also makes it sort of, like, low investment. Like, I don't feel the need to be, like, oh, I gotta go play this. It's like, if I feel the vibe, I can just open it and play for a little bit. And it's got personality, which is nice, but, um, I still am staring down, like, however many hours of it, so who knows. And the same story, honestly, with Red Dead, um... I'm taking that game extremely slowly and just enjoying, like, moving around and, like, just riding around and exploring and doing occasional quests, but I'm not progressing very quickly. I just like the level of detail and, like, the sort of, I don't know, the sort of, like, quality of light in the game is really nice. It has a very, uh, it doesn't look like movie or anything so much as it looks like a like a painting from that era
0: Mm -hmm.
2: like probably if we're being honest it's probably like some heinously racist piece of like manifest destiny art but it has that sort of um exalted quality of light to it which is really nice Um, there's some stuff oh sorry arthur I was just gonna say I like Arthur I think his voice actor is good
1: I do too I think he's a very good character
2: yeah he just sounds like he stopped giving a shit like 30 years ago I also think he's exerting the minimum amount of of effort in any conversation
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good way of putting it (laughs) Uh, also definitely the I think one of the all time great soundtracks to a video game which isn't super surprising because i think rockstar generally kind of uh yeah it's in the name you know yeah they <laughs> they hire <rock> stars.
2: <laughs> yeah i really like i haven't gone to like the big needle drops but like just the even just the combination the stuff, of though. yeah like the sort of like electric bass and like plucked guitar and then Some of the, like, chiller string bits and banjo. I don't know. It just fits really well with this sort of melancholy tone, which is really all you want from a video game score, I think. It's just, like, synthesis.
1: Um, I was worried that it would be too reminiscent of Red Dead 1, which I think is Mm. the same... I think it was the same composer that Woody Jackson. Yeah. Um... And I was kind of worried that because Red Dead One, I thought the soundtrack, like just the ambient stuff too, was just so, so good. Like the way it transitioned into firefights and stuff, but it was very yeah. Leon, like leaning on it really heavily. Like the, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like the muted bass, um, kind of rolling around and like those. Uh, what do you call that? It's like that shaker thing. Sounds like a rattlesnake's tail, kind of.
2: Oh yeah, 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 I know what you mean.
1: Um, like lots of that and the the. You know, plaintive harmonicas and everything. And there's definitely a lot of that in this, but it feels like it's just, it moves from location to location so well. Um, and the D'Angelo part obviously is fantastic because you get a, a new D'Angelo song and also it's like a beautiful song and really incredible for the moment it, it plays during the game. Um, but I think there's, there's a part in terms of like well I talked about this a little bit on when Ed and I talked about the game but there's a part in terms of why I really love this game a lot um, in terms of direction uh, and art and music where there's so a part where you're on an island and I guess that's all I'll say but um, there, there's something that happens there where it's kind of one of the most striking things I've ever seen in the game, and it's—it's mm-hmm. it's not like a set piece, right? You're not gonna. Yeah. Well, I guess it is, but it's not—it's not, it's not um, things exploding all around you as you're running down a hallway or something. It's—it's it's just um, uh, about an hour or two of the game where mm-hmm. certain things happen, and it's really incredible. And apparently, a lot of people hate that part of the game,
2: but whatever. <laughs>
1: Fucking um, philistines.
2: Yeah. So, I want to get through that. But then, I guess my top choices would be I really liked Cultist Simulator.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I found it just really engaging to play and, like, um, read, sort of. I just like Alexis Candy's writing. Um, I think it's the right balance of, like, indulging and, in, like, the cosmic horror esoterica stuff and also sort of poking fun at it or just approaching it more lightheartedly um and i don't mean lighthearted in what like thomas lagatti thinks is funny which is usually like the (laughs) just the driest shit imaginable but like actually funny um so that's good and then paratopic is really good um Mm -hmm. maybe more for i don't know I think I said this to you, but more of what it gestures at and sort of suggests, because um, it is very brief and almost truncated. I know that they, I think they've added on to it already. Really? Where they're going to, I believe they're planning to expand it slightly. I don't know if that's happened yet. Um, but I think they should do as much to that as they want, because I think it's a really interesting setting, and also it's um, presented in a really interesting way. Um, and then, a- Abyssal Somewhere is, like, a little, uh, itch game that's, like, super distorted and noisy. It almost has a action RPG feel, if, like, there was no action. if <laughs> You, like, play a knight, and you have, like, um, a very slow sword swing, and you have to, like, explore this, like, mega structure. Um, and it has some sort of weird, like, mixed media stuff at the end that's interesting, Mm-hmm. Um but again it's sort of more of a sketch which honestly maybe is more appealing to me than like 60 hours of something right now. Uh I can or... the North Star game is really good. <laughs> it's I... basically it's like a yakuza mod because it has like <laughs> the same voice actors and everything, but I really like it. I want to play that. So, yeah. And I was going to s- Oh sorry. Oh no, go on, go on.
1: I was just one note about abyssal somewhere is that i almost put that on but i just wish it didn't have any words in it you know
2: i thought that stuff was like good it's like suggestive
1: yeah but just i don't know just i thought it was enough with the the spaces and the way it looked and the way it sounded that's fair. didn't need any didn't need any words
2: I mean, yeah, it might not have, but I didn't think they detracted.
1: A, that's a cool game, though. You
3: can say that for most games. Just take out the words.
2: It's true. Oh. <laughs> and then... Uh, there's a game by Puppet Combo, who does, like, little VHS horror-style games called... Um, crap, what was it? Something about nuns. I think Nun Massacre. No.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, and... They do, like, pretty much all their games are, like, sort of, like, amnesia style or, like, um, something's, like, stalking you. So it's, like, a slasher movie. There's, like, Power Drill Massacre and Babysitter Bloodbath, but Nun Massacre is really good because they use so much noise and stuff on the image that it's, like... <laughs> very difficult to see and you're like going through these dark environments. It's like the usual survival horror stuff. But um, I think it's actually really well done with the like the few actions that are available to you and stuff and sort of the way you can hide and navigate. um, It's really creepy. And then so my top choice I think so the games I played the most of this year would be Overwatch which sadly did not come out in 2018. (laughs) And this a mobile game called Honkai Impact 3 which is basically like a mobile version of Bayonetta where you have like a bunch of different characters that you can play there's like um, a few of them look like typical like magical girls and then there's like a nun who uses a giant cross there's like a girl in like a flight suit but um, it has all like the pay to play sort of hooks in it But I think it's actually really fun, and the combat translates really well to mobile. Um,
1: How's that work, the combat? It's
2: basically, like, two buttons. So Mm -hmm. there's, like, the one button. Well, I mean, honestly, Bayonetta has, like, two attack buttons, too. So there's, like, basic attack and then heavy attack. And then at some point you get, like, a, a special. And it's, like, really, really over the top. Like, um... The attack effects and stuff, and they're like bite sized levels where you fight like a group of things, and there's like a few different achievements you can get for each one, so it incentivizes you to go back in and try and master it and stuff. Um, when I worked at uh, my last job, there was like a lot of downtime, so I would just play that all day.
1: That's uh, what's it called again?
2: Honkai H O N K I Impact 3.
1: Oh well, can I play this? without playing one 2? <laughs>
2: Will
1: I be able to?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be fine. But I so, have... oh sorry. I have I have one top choice, but I don't know if I want to do that yet. Y- yeah. Okay. Um, I don't even know if this counts. It would something like Dark Souls Remastered count? This is not that, but like a I, sort of I mean, re-release. Definitely. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. So my top choice then is Anchorhead the 20th anniversary illustrated edition. Sorry, it's um a adventure game from I want to say like 1997 or 8 and it's oh. about again it's like a Lovecrafty thing um mm. but it's probably like the best um the best version of that I've ever read, including Lovecraft and, um, God, was his name? King in Yellow and stuff like that. Um, it's about a woman who moves to Anchorhead, Massachusetts with her husband. And she quickly begins to suspect there's something supernatural happening involving, um, of course, like tainted bloodlines and, and mixing with, uh, sort of uh cosmic gods and stuff but the sort of scale of it is really good it's like um it almost has like a like a domestic thriller feel because you're like sort of working around the potential that your husband is in on this and the puzzles involve like going through the family home and like getting into these secret chambers and examining like strange paintings and stuff like that And, like, the townspeople won't talk to you. And you find, like, a nice shopkeeper who gives you an amulet. And you're, like, interrogating winos and stuff. Like, there's all these, like, elements from those kinds of stories. But they're all wrapped into a story about a woman who... Usually women are not the protagonists of cosmic horror stories. I think, honestly, this is the one significant instance I can remember where... It is from a woman's perspective, but so many of them are about, like, wombs and birth and impregnation. But they're always from, like, that stuff. really removed academic perspective. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this one is, like, from a different perspective, and it's, like, really, really well written. And the anniversary edition, he's, like, gone through and re-edited the text. There's illustrations, and it's just really good. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And I'm glad that he redid it.
1: Why didn't you tell me about this when... Why didn't you tell me about this when I was asking you for recommendations for the Horror Month? Because that sounds like something. Well, I got
2: it... I wrote about it for the AV Club list. Which, Um. it was like pretty high up, which must mean that other people voted for it or somebody mm-hmm. like fudged the numbers but Probably I think that. it's like really well regarded but also sort of under the radar
3: only um, 8 reviews on Steam Somebody gotta got start plugging it more
2: yeah
1: <laughs> I wish I'd written a bit. I, yeah it's like my favorite yeah, I
2: think. maybe one of my favorite games of all time and certainly like top 5 interactive fiction text adventures that I've played
1: well thanks for the timely recommendation then it's really good <laughs> i'm mad because how many times did i like send you messages being like i can't fucking think of anything to play for this i have
2: to have some i have to have some secrets
1: you (laughs) see the game said yeah
2: i have to have some secrets
1: you and eight other people um i have two quick questions about that game because it sounds really interesting one does it do any Does it push back on that tainted bloodline shit? Because that stuff unexamined is often a little bit, a little bit much. Wait, what's up? You broke up. You were saying, oh, sorry. You were saying that it, like, has, like, the Lovecraft stuff with, like, the tainted bloodlines and everything. Like, does it, does it have things to say about that? Or is that sort of, like, does it push back on? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because those Lovecraft staples are...
2: No, I think it does. Right, no. yeah. That's sort of, the, I think, sort of the project of the game by putting it through a different perspective and, like, um, approaching it as if there's, like, a human, like, a person in the lead role, which is yeah, Cosmic Horror is generally not, like, flush with, like, um interesting characters. This is my problem with, like, uh, that show channel zero the sci-fi show which is like based off of creepy pasta and creepy pasta sort of take after uh lovecraft to an extent where the characters are either just total ciphers or they're just like doofuses
0: mm-hmm okay that...
2: that that usually doesn't work for me in this kind of story yeah
1: yeah that's that's good also the idea of it being from a woman's perspective i think is a lot more interesting when you're going to talk about that like the stuff that's like what's supposed to be scary in lovecraft is often
0: i don't know yeah um there's a
2: there's a book called there's a book i think called the ballad of black tom by victor lavelle which is a lovecraft thing from From a black perspective, which is also obviously a fruitful angle, I think
1: mhm I've heard about um, that one too, but yeah, uh then the last question is, are the puzzles hard because I'm dumb?
2: <laughs> I think some of them are fairly esoteric, and some of them are just based on common sense, and I think there's enough the game like um sort of f- shades in enough of the world and enough of, like, your character to make the common sense stuff track fairly well. Okay. Um, like, the fact that you can... You have, like, this overcoat where you can carry certain items, and then the comments the character makes sometimes will lead you... Or the narrator, I guess, it's one of those sort of second-person games. Um, they will lead you in the right direction, I think. And there's a hint system, so you're all set.
1: Oh, Okay, that's good. Um, yeah. So that's your choice? Written in stone? Anchorhead?
2: Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it.
1: They should call it Anchorhead Revisited. That should be the remaster title. Don't you think?
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: quit, quit stalling, Reed. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Um, well, some of mine were already mentioned. Falta Simulator was very good. Um, Paratopic was very good. And that Paratopic is, my I think, my runner-up for the best thing I played this year. Um, two, I wanted nice. to just sort of mention that I have not finished either of them, but they're both... I wish they didn't both come out the week uh, before we're recording this, because I think they are both really striking in a lot of ways. Uh, one is Dusk, which is... Uh probably wouldn't have made it to the top because I, I want maybe a bit more sort of like more explicit like narrative context in a game. And but Dusk is just like sheerly just super enjoyable. Um mm. it's like supposed to be kind of a throwback shooter, like in the vein of Quake or Blood. Um but it's not a lot of those like throwback shooters have come out like strafe and like there was like that return of the triad or whatever, and I don't know a lot of these ones that come out and these like weird roguelikes and stuff they're just they're super referential of the past to of like old 90s Fpss where they don't seem capable of identifying what worked and what didn't from these games, so you have them just trying to essentially make another Doom or another Quake um kind of wholesale and Dusk sort of gets at what I like about Doom specifically which is it has sort of like a cheeky sense of humor it's like sort of like Halloween night horror like it takes a lot of that from blood but that's something like in Doom as well um but it's not (sighs) like it knows like this is a thing i read a preview of this back in the day it's one of the last things i wrote for this site that uh, all three of us have <laughs> experience with that no longer exists um and i think the one thing i pointed out and i still like it strikes me in this game is it knows you're going to press r on your keyboard to try to reload um and whereas like most throwback games would just be like Nah, sucker! You don't reload in these old games. That's not how it works. In this one, you like flip your guns around, like in a little flare. Like if you're holding two shotguns, uh, the character will just sort of spin them in his hands, and it's just like full <laughs> of these little things that are just like kind of like cheeky, but it's not it's not winking all the time. It's still very much earnest about being what it is, but it just has all these like it's like really playful and. And uh, it feels really good, is the main thing, is you, like, rip around at, you know, 100 kilometers an hour, but you can, like, go off these jump pads and do flips and stuff, and all in first person, and um, it just feels good. It has a zoom, which a lot of these throwback shooters won't have, so you can have an assault rifle or a hunting rifle or something, you can actually zoom in to take a shot, which I imagine a lot of people would be like, that's heresy, but it's good in this context because it lets them like s- have the kind of doom thing of the variety of enemies but also allow the enemies to be further away and I don't know um, I'm not finished it so who knows maybe it sucks in the last third but the first two thirds of it are really good um, and I like it a lot that's cool Um, and then below is the other one as well. <laughs> it's, wow, it's,
3: it's been such a great year for games.
1: <laughs> they all came out this week. No, no, but Below is the other one where it's like way too early for me to tell, but um, just playing the, the first bit of it last night was uh, something... It's like one of those experiences that you continue to wade through the bullshit to try to find stuff where it gets an honest kind of emotional or intellectual reaction out of you, just watching something happen. Um, mm-hmm. The first five or ten minutes of Below are extremely striking. Um, just the way it's presented, like you're zooming in very, very slowly over this dark water, uh, It's like dark, choppy sea, and there's another Jim Guthrie soundtrack. Um, and, you know, he... I, I like his stuff and have for quite a while um, but he does these really good like for sword and sorcery which was also cappy he did the soundtrack for that as well and he does like a, maybe the best kind of carpenter riff Yeah, definitely. that I've heard like there's so much of that kind of of that kind of thing going on these days like with the throwback movies and stuff but Jim Guthrie there's like a way he does it that doesn't seem like he's just trying to copy seems like he is actually very inspired by those sounds, and likely plays around with them yeah. a lot. Um, and so just like the beginning of this game, the the sense of mood as it goes in on this like nighttime water, and these kind of nightmare synths are, are blasting over top of it, and then it's quiet, and you're just walking on this beach um, as the rain's pouring down and everything, and it just looks... Fantastic, and I think it was Ethan in the piece you wrote about like playing the first bit of it where you talked about the way it I think this was you, so correct me if it wasn't but talked about the way that like the perspective keeps surprising you Um, because it has this sort of overhead 2D ish perspective, and a lot of it is you going down or up uh, through this cave system that opens up into other locations but it it's almost looks like a pop-up book at times and so the way that you find yourself moving um it's it's hard to describe i need to play more of it to really get it but it's just sort of it's very limited but it has so much depth the more you look at it um anyway i haven't played enough to like really talk about it but it's really striking so far
3: I, I think it, goes to, it, it says a lot, though, that, like, a game that you've played so little of, it's like, obviously it's the end of the year, so, like, certain things are fresher in your mind, but, um, mm-hmm. it's definitely, I, I have a hard time struggling, because I, leading up to it, I know we talked with some people, uh, there was this feeling of as if, like, this game was, like, half a dozen other games that have come out in the past, like, three, four years, and, you mm-hmm. know, do we really even need this anymore, like, what's, what's this, like, brooding roguelike throwback to Zelda and other stuff, like, come on, we've been here. But honestly, like, it doesn't feel like anything else I've played in recent memory.
1: Yeah, it's... Which I like. It's strange, right? And it's... Um... I like things that are sort of tightly guided more often, but the sense of of just um, kind of figuring this thing out is really satisfying so far. Because... Cut- it...
3: you Sorry, keep going.
1: No, I was just going to say, it plays in well to the sense of um, hostility and just kind of mystery of... I was saying to Ethan before we started, like, it has that in common with Dark Souls, the feeling that you're kind of venturing further and further into places you don't understand and that are beautiful and dangerous, like... Sort of at the same time constantly That sense of like kind of walking through the woods At night um, Yeah
2: Is Is the the um, Jim Guthrie soundtrack Is it like synthesizer Is it chiptune what is it
1: uh, Synthesizer so far From what I've heard okay. and then you go to a campfire And it's Has some nice acoustic guitars
2: A campfire you say
1: Yeah I know <laughs>
3: Yeah, like, it it has those elements where you're like, oh, gosh, like, come on. Uh, But, like, the campfire (laughs) is just used to, like, do crafting, and there's, like, a a mechanic where you have to stay warm. Uh, And and it honestly reminds me a lot of... So I loved Inside... I feel like for some reason that game has like a bad rap or it's like oh like does it? It's like so obvious what it was doing that people were like Bleh. I also like inside used to be on all of Kotaku's best lists so like Kotaku does a list for every console to be like here are, like the 12 best games that we recommend mm-hmm. like if you if you get this and usually it's, it's kind of geared to like just anyone like looking up like oh I just got this system what should I try to play? Um, And Inside used to be on all of them and has been slowly pushed off by, like, other newer games. And I'm just, like... That's, like, probably my game of the generation in terms of, like, a game where I would basically change nothing and, like, didn't overstay its Mm -hmm. welcome and, like, created one of the most, uh... most, uh... Appealing trances I've been in in a while. And like, below is like, it kind of reminds me like if you took inside but tried to map it onto the original Zelda. Um, Hmm. A sort of top down adventure game where you have a sword and you can kill things and collect things and craft them into torches or whatever. But though it's much more, the focus isn't on getting items or completing dungeons so much as like trying to find your way forward in uh, one direction you know in, inside it's kind of to the right i feel like generally like you're kind of pushing towards this end goal that's somewhere on the right of the side scrolling adventure and in uh, below it's it's obviously below, below. Um, <laughs> And I think it does a really good job of, like, creating... It's it, it. I think when it was originally pitched, it seemed like it was going to be a moody game with an emphasis on, like, these roguelike mechanics. But it's really, I think, the opposite. It's like this... The the roguelike mechanics, the crafting, the items, the sword is just really a, a means of getting people acclimated to what is really a, a game focused on a specific, uh, like, atmosphere. Yeah.
0: mm mm-hmm. That's
2: interesting. That's a... I think an appealing comparison, I think. I think the inside is, like, um, completely unified. Like, the way that game, just the tiny details about, like, how the camera moves and the sort of weight of your character and stuff are really, really cool. And again, the lighting in that game is amazing. Um, I wonder if people got sort of like put off when it started to be like, oh, Inside is about the gamer himself and stuff like that. Um, but like, I think the yeah, aesthetic maybe. experience of that game is like, that's yeah little, pretty unmatched.
1: That's the most boring reading of, of that game, Yeah, I think. I'm
2: sort, of, I'm sort of disappointed that sort of took precedence because I thought it was like just like really engaging to play all the way through and that is fairly unusual unless we're talking about uh, Little Nightmares, which I also loved.
1: <laughs> Lil Nightmares. L-I-L Classic. Nightmares. Um, yeah. Oh, we should talk about Inside sometime. I want to, I also want a reason to play that again. An excuse to play it again. Yeah.
2: But you need to drop. what's your, uh, number one game of 2018? Um,
1: okay, so Dusk and Blow are honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, by the way, I just want to say, I think was largely not good. I think yeah. um, I think that's part of why I was so struck by something like below was because it it made me feel something. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it it's like the same as like turning on a, a good movie and all you've watched are like Marvel movies for three years and then you're like okay cool. Um, not the same comparison because good stuff has come out this year as well and it's just been this year I think has been one of the. Um, even with smaller stuff, too, it's just... I've been trying to cast around this year, and I think it's been really uninspiring for the most part. Um, so with that said, yeah, the the stuff I haven't played enough of, but I think is interesting, are Dusk and Below. Um, and then other ones are Cult of Simulator as well. That stuck with me. Uh, Paratopic as well stuck with me a lot. And uh, Yakuza 6 is, like, just a really good... Yakuza game, although it's not even the best Yakuza game. Um, So that said, I think Red Dead 2 is, uh, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that that would be the best thing i played, um, I don't know. It's, it's like the only game that, like, gave me something to kind of, like, that I felt like there was stuff to chew on and that there were Um, that there was enough going on sort of thematically to make it linger a bit longer, and I think that's sort of the common thing as well. That's why Paratopic, I kept thinking, has kept returning to me over the years as well, is that um, there are just things about that game like the imagery and everything that's stuck in my head that I thought was really impressive. Um, And Red Dead does that as well. I it feels weird to say that because there's a lot, there's a ton about it I don't like, mm. um, but still I think it it's maybe had the most going for me this year. I don't know.
3: I think it's also it's one of those games. There's so much going on. It's so big that like you could take whatever your particular slice of it is that you really like, even if it's just going around the camp and like getting coffee and just like. Like there, there's so many ways that you could play that game, and parts of it you could focus on that would be a game in and of itself. That it's, it's like almost has an advantage in terms of, you can carve out the stuff that you really dug.
1: Yeah, but at the like the same time too, I think there, you know, there were despite also not being big on it, of uh, God of War, where I thought there were a handful of scenes in that that were really impressive, but overall, like nah it's you know? just too
3: it's, it's it's so long um I've, I've not finished it yet but it's when i looked up on the you know i love googling uh how long to beat um oh yeah and i i, I went on there i was like are you serious like 30 fucking hours or like 20 oh, something yeah. or whatever it was i'm like that's oh yeah like years of war one or two i think was like longish back in the day it, by modern standards of like, like a shooter 10 campaign. hours or something I, it was like 15 <laughs> i think um like, any any more any sort of uh linear action adventure narrative art game that is like over 10 12 hours i'm like what like yeah how can you sustain and unless you're like a zelda or something where like even if you have like a, a sort of linear thing where you're, you're going through dungeons um like even those games i feel like get by on very deep mechanics um Mm-hmm. Or, or so or like there's these sort of like okay you can spend four hours on this dungeon or this dungeon area because you're learning this new set of puzzles and stuff and items whereas like yeah, i agree with god of war it's like very um it's like they wanted to keep doing stuff with the environment and story but then they didn't have the the combat to to deepen along the way and so and also kinda, the... there's like pillars of the game that are falling as you get towards the end
1: yeah and the the character work too was like it very much feels like they had a solid, you know, kind of 15 hours of plot and, and yeah. moments. And the characters, like, Ooh. stop. It's like they... I don't know. It, it's it's like, Yeah,
2: it's really bizarre. It,
1: their relationship evolves and then stops. And yeah. sort of stays in place and then hits a beat and then evolves and then stops. You know? And it's mm-hmm. just like, it's so uh but like that said there are like i think the first hour of that game was was pretty good um and there's stuff along the way i like too but like when i look back on it now i'm just thinking it was just too much um whereas red dead i think oh sorry. sorry
2: i don't want to keep talking about god of war but i think my favorite part of that kind of game is like going back and like getting s ranks in all the fight scenes and with god of war they have like this challenge mode but i can't imagine going through that after however many hours of the actual game
1: oh, i was just tired
2: like it's three of it times too long yeah to like want to go back in and master it
1: yeah and also there's something that makes me want to do that sort of thing less when they say like oh you'll get loot you know the the fucking <laughs> yeah the nastiest I just word need the in metal. gaming vocabulary yeah. <laughs> where it's like yeah just no just I feel like that cheapens all of it because I don't want to do something for some cosmetic, nothing. Yeah. Like I'd rather just do it for oh, its yeah. own sake.
2: Great, great crafting in that game, by the way.
1: Great crafting. Great stuff. That's 2018's crafter of the year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the why I was thinking about that as well is that like Red Dead, like what Ethan was saying. And I think it's really true that. It sort of depends what you want to pick out from it because there's so much of it it felt unified to me in a way that um an open world game hasn't felt as hasn't felt as much like it needs to be an open world game um and that everything is sort of of a piece since like the witcher 3 um where it felt like here's a character i also love that the character isn't really a blank slate that arthur you can move him towards sort of different aspects of his own personality, kind of like you could with Geralt in. Geralt, Geralt, however you Geralt. pronounce it. <laughs> Geralt. Geralt. Um, like you can kind of adjust or or lean into aspects of his personality that already exist, but you're not. Yes. He's never. He's not you. He's Arthur. You know, he's his own character. And. I think that's something that sticks out to me and something I wish there was more of in games um, are characters who are actual characters and it kind of felt like even when I was disappointed with a lot of stuff going on with the game um, which has to do I think also with I think the way that women are shown in that game is still pretty retrograde and I think also the stuff with the, the natives the Lakota in that game is really just one note and sort of insultingly one note um but um the the characters who are fleshed out properly are actually compelling characters um who change over the course of things and who don't tell you they don't explicitly detail why they think the things they think or why they're doing the things they do which again should not be as much of an achievement um and isn't in other media but in games feels like one
2: i mean i wouldn't sell it that short because this year i watched a lot of i think both movies and tv which lean towards sort of like easy sort of like didactic point scoring in like strange ways like they were like reading trending topics and they were like we need to like hit this one so people will agree with us and like write about it but like it seems to be a sort of, like, strange uh, micro-trend in some media. I don't really know what the incentive is, but... To yeah, get it that's, I've out noticed properly. that a lot lately.
1: Yeah. But that doesn't matter that much to people, does it? Maybe it does to the people creating, or like, big network if shows. That, and...
2: If that's not the motivation, that's what it feels like to me. But that's, mm. I guess, a conversation for something else. <laughs>
1: yeah well I think it's interesting because I think there there are so many really good criticisms of Red Dead there are some that I don't understand that sort of base criticisms on if a game is showing you something heinous then it's endorsing something heinous Um, which to me is really difficult to understand how you can sort of write about these kind of things and not see that portrayal doesn't equal endorsement in art entertainment you know
2: yeah i think the thornier question with it would be the obviously the i don't know the sort of dichotomy between like with detroit sort of like what the game is about and then the conditions under which the game were made or was made
1: well that's huge as well yeah right is and people have have um people have written I think things that make sense well in terms of uh you talk about some of the what this game is purporting to be about which is similar to like Detroit this is similar sort of thing where you know like that that use of review that gets into it very well um but you can't say that you are sticking up for the underdog when you are (laughs) in in practice as a company um exploiting the underdog beating up on them and red dead has had similar kind of thing as well but i don't know there's a lot of stuff about it that is is bad but overall there was a lot that i don't know i I hate doing that because it feels like sweeping under the rug and saying well it doesn't matter as much to me
2: um well you can't I wish now I'd been on the Red Dead episode because I did want to discuss this, but it's like the evaluation of the work itself is not always the place to get into those questions.
1: No, and that's like Ed and I had kind of a half conversation that I feel like we didn't fully discuss that our feelings on that enough. I'm sure it'll come up again. Hey, it's it's video games, <laughs> you yeah, know?
2: They Rockstar is far from the only offender, so. Luckily, um, in quotes.
1: But yeah, I guess like the last thing I'd say about Red Dead is just like it, it, it felt full, in a way that it is too long. There are a lot of parts that I think it could have been trimmed a ton. Um, this is some stuff that and I talked about as well, but I just think overall it, uh, I don't know. I think it it's it's a really fascinating game that I think is also often like just very exciting and I like characters and music and it has good characters and good music
2: <laughs> oh, okay so we have Ethan did you have one single choice
1: uh... <laughs> Ethan are you disappointed that I awarded Red Dead Redemption two <laughs> the highest honor in video games.
3: Sorry, you're you're canceled, Reed. I'm out. I'm, did, I'm signing off the podcast right now. No, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think part of me just feels like a there's some deep seated aspect of my soul that's like mm, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, really. Um, but
1: well, that's how I kind of feel about Red Dead. <laughs> But I
3: think, I, I think, see, the part of the problem is, like, I just haven't, I'm, like, only a few hours into Red Dead, and I'm sure, like, if I got through all of it, I'd be like, oh, definitely, this is more impressive than Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, artifact, alright, put me down for Artifact. That's a game I know I can always come back to. I've already played okay. 70 hours of it, so I guess Holy that tells shit. tells you something. Wow. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that sometimes that is, like, the only metric that you can go by
3: no it can't be yeah no, oh, well this because... is a favorite favorite game of the year so you know come on
1: okay kingdom hearts favorite <laughs> fucking but which game one of the year. which one that's all, different like in
3: totality they've all blended together in my mind it would be great if that just became uh uh th- those are Tetsuya nomori's games right oh yeah yeah if if, oh, yeah. if he just at some point like did the sort of uh Orson Welles' like super cut of just like somehow p- putting all of the games together in a, as a single like contiguous entity. That's uh... Not even like in order but just like oh and then you go to this hub portal and then you can like enter the such and such world where you've got to do that thing there and like...
1: Oh my god. And it's, it's 300 hours long. It's the never ending game. You will play it forever.
3: <laughs> so that's... Oopsies. <laughs> just, just 300 hours of that, just like. A gorge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what does he say artifact. when he needs to be healed or something? Like,
1: uh, Goofy. There's one thing he says when he attacks that I. It always sounds like Moil. <laughs> <But> Astrid <laughs> told me it was just a Goofy noise. Like, a
2: moil. A moil. Yeah, that's haunting.
1: Oh, it's all fucking locked in.
2: Um, So we have Artifact, uh, Anchorhead, and Red Dead Redemption 2 from the big studio shill, the game industry whore, Reed McCarter.
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah, uh, listen, if it costs less than $1 billion to make it, (laughs) it does not pass my muster. I
2: want the luxury goods of video games only.
1: Yeah. That's actually yeah, Paratopic was actually my favorite, but I it was not made expensively. Yeah, it enough.
2: Can't, I can't can't be seen in public shilling for that kind of thing.
1: No. Um and then what was the worst in summary?
2: I think you both well no, you were going to vote for Far Cry Five also. So it was Far Cry Five, uh Vampire and Uh Deltarune? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and if you put all these games together, you end up with an absolutely average video game, right? And isn't that what it's all about? At the end of at the end of the year, to meet in the middle, It's, great. I know you've...
3: it's great though, because like I try to think back, like uh, I can't even like remember probably what 2016's like most lauded games of the year were.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's like Doom. some stuff
3: just fades. It's like when you look at the Oscar lists, and you're, for like certain years, and you're like, <laughs> "Wow, what was there that year?" And obviously, Red Dead yeah. Two is like a monumental game that, but it'll be, mm-hmm. you know, in, in three or four years, like whether anyone is like.
1: But that's what I'm trying to communicate hey, Is like
3: the open world, like awesome.
1: <laughs> that's like what I want to get across as well. Like why I was saying, I think this year was largely not great. Is that my favorites? Like, I wanted things ever more, you know? Like, Red Dead is, a I think, a good game, but it's not some staggering achievement. I feel like everything I liked this year was stuff that was good, but none of it's, like, kind of going to stick with me for a long time. Or maybe it will. I don't know. Whatever.
2: Well, luckily my pick was something I've been playing for, like, five years, so... I cheated the system.
1: My pick is Metal Gear Solid 1. I was going to say, actually,
2: I still think that's one of my favorite things. Because I play a lot of older games this year, um, and Metal Gear Solid 1 is definitely up there.
1: It's, yeah, one of the best games.
2: It's it's, um,
1: That this medium uh, has ever managed to...
2: Retro Game of the Year 2018.
1: (laughs) Ethan, what's your Retro Game of the Year?
3: (laughs) Oh wow! Uh, Dota Two, definitely, definitely Dota Two. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a shame if I if I just not played Dota Two <laughs> this year or Destiny Two this year, I would have had like a hundred plus hours to have devoted to all these other like interesting games. So, you know what yeah. actually
1: should have snuck onto my list? No. no, 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 let's
3: not get crazy.
2: No, what?
1: The Destiny Two, the Forsaken was pretty cool. Like If you just play those games, you just play and then as soon as it's like, start grinding out all the light, and you just say, no thank you, and stop playing it, those games are pretty good.
3: I totally disagree. It's just such fucking garbage.
1: Didn't we do... We did a
3: podcast about this, like, exactly a year ago, so maybe we shouldn't get into this. <laughs> I just... Because, like, a lot of people have said that, and I know, like, Destiny 2 The Forsaken, as it, like, the expand, the game with the expansion or whatever, was bandied about in, uh... In some places, about uh, being like a a game of the year contender or like a best a game of like a certain platform, and like I, don't, it just, I just don't know. I, obviously, you disagree, but like I would never recommend anyone ever play no. those games if they were planning <laughs> no. on just playing them alone. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, the mission I like... the mission designs aren't even that interesting. Like the best no, missions no, are all like bad. Yeah.
1: It's um, the, guns... the aesthetics
3: are great. They look beautiful, and the guns feel great. Still, yeah, I agree yeah. with you there.
1: That's see, that's what I mean. This year was not great. So, like that, thinking back, I'm like, yeah, I really liked playing that for eight hours or whatever because I like the like the design of the spaces, and you shoot the guns, and they feel good to shoot. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I I'm going to get into chess. Like, mention... I think for next year or something.
2: We'd even mention Black Ops 4.
1: That game's actually
3: good.
2: Yeah, yeah I kind of like yeah, the multiplayer uh, in that. It's snappy.
3: Yeah, uh, mm. Reed, Reed talks about some weird old game called Dusk where you you can't even reload your <laughs> shotguns. Yeah. Meanwhile, no no yeah. love for Battlefield 5, yeah. Black it's Ops du- 4. Dusk I've-
2: doesn't have a battle royale mode. So
1: I played Battlefield 5. Like PubG's
3: winter map. I mean, PubG's winter map would probably be best like shooter of the years just by itself.
1: Um, there, there's uh, Hitman too. That game's pretty good. Yeah, but whatever. Just wait two years and play these games later, and then you'll be like, yeah it's fine. Just another stop on the way to the grave."
3: I just want to say, just real quick, one thing, so just one thing about Far Cry 5, going back to it, that th- one of the things that's haunted me all year about that game is uh, how much I love, so the, the Midwestern setting, I like, guess it's supposed to take place in Oklahoma or something, uh, not nah, probably, maybe farther No, north. it's like uh, Wyoming, Montana, Wisconsin right? or Wyoming? Yeah.
1: It's Montana.
3: Montana, right, okay, yeah. I'm that, not even
1: an American, I know that. Well,
3: one of the, one of those other super undemocratic uh, states that's just like, <laughs> fucking up the country. Um, So, uh, but it also, I have family in New Hampshire, I I, I used to visit them all the time, go up there a lot in the summer, and uh, very similar tropical climates in terms of like uh, the trees and rocky mountain paths and stuff, and uh, so actually walking around in Far Cry 5 was really fun and interesting as a way of like sort of uh, exploring this weird fever dream uh, version of this place I used to go to a, a lot. Uh, as a child, um, and I think about uh, some of the beautiful roads in that game, just like gravelly roads with, mm-hmm. with like a bend at the end that fades into all these trees and stuff. Um, and how like there's no reason that they shouldn't have been able to make a really th- like how did they uh, of all of the the roads like that in the game of all the fields and everything else, they weren't able to make one that was like memorable that stuck with me. Because like something interesting happened on it. Anyway, oh. that just that's been haunting me ever since. Like just.
1: That's based. actually, that's probably as good a summary as you're gonna get of 2018 in video games. <laughs> I don't know. That's really that. I understand exactly what you're saying.
3: God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be encouraging the the all the despondency, myopic hate. On yeah. <laughs> just to come yeah. in here, spread spread the cheer. Uh, you know
1: since yeah, we supposed to be, we're my mainline gamer
3: on, opinions, we're supposed to end on the
1: happy stuff, right? Like that was the whole point. And instead of yeah, uh, happy stuff, was
3: uh, Overwatch, uh, Hell yeah, Dota two, and then uh, you know old
2: Metal Gear Solid,
3: yeah, <laughs> Metal
1: Gear Solid one, um, still great. All right, let's yeah, so let's been... uh, gift wrap this up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's trim this tree. Let's let's you deck the halls. Log. Let's deck these halls, Astrid. Let's palm a palm tree. Cause you're in Florida. <laughs> um, Stuff no, the gators. I, let's feed the gators the raw plucked chicken. Um, I think that happens in a Bond movie. So th- that'll that'll be it. That's 2018. That's all of it all assembled yeah. and collected um let me check my phone here no i had asked ed if he wanted to share his favorite his favorite <laughs> so we could just pass it on but i imagine he is in a fever dream uh thinking of brexit and <laughs> coughing into his sleeve so, so we'll never know what he thinks <clears throat> he's got bigger things on his plate um ethan where can people find you
3: perhaps the
1: biggest video game site ever created by mankind?
3: Uh, biggest video game blog, maybe. It's possible. Uh, they People can find me at kotaku.com uh, or on Twitter at Ethan Gatch. That's E-T-H-A-N-G-A-C-H uh, for me retweeting all of my colleagues' content and just shitting on liberals.
1: <laughs> that's right. Ethan is a uh, tea party <laughs> diehard <laughs> <laughs> he's he's never given up on it uh still very much into it astrid now you are on the biggest video game website of all time bullet points monthly uh, yeah. kotaku biggest blog biggest video game website <laughs> bulletpointsmonthly.com Yep.
2: Yeah. where else can um, people find you i'm on twitter as always as i have been and as i will <laughs> forever be at hastapura H-A-S-T-A-P-U-R-A, um, where you can find me uh, increasingly just retweeting idle selfies and, uh, <laughs> like, pieces that I think are stupid and well, or good. Yeah, I was going to say, let's
1: accentuate the positive, right? Let's let's mm-hmm. end this on a good yeah. note. People should know that not only uh, do you uh, do stuff in our... Little trashy, put it the internet. But you write lots of good stuff for Unwinnable.
2: Oh yeah, so I'm actually a senior editor at Unwinnable now, which is, means that I like help with the magazine, and I also run along with two of our friends from Bad End, Katie and Josh, uh, KpopComment.com, yes. which is all about uh, reviews of K-pop. Albums, singles essays i've got something on luna which should be out by the time this goes up um we're getting freelancers in we're paying them how hard is that so (laughs) check us out baby yeah (laughs) that's
1: incredible living the dream (laughs) Um, no sub (laughs) no sub (laughs) tweets here this is all positive um yeah i i thought it's funny because i always wondered what k-pop comment was about i thought it was about
2: norwegian death metal for the longest time yeah it's sort of an ambiguous title but
1: yeah i like that i like you to say what's on the tin why not (laughs) um i don't know i'm i'm video game santa claus i'm (laughs) uh, (laughs) i have a a busy busy uh week or two coming up here uh grooming my reindeer zelda link master chief (laughs) Has a red nose. <laughs> uh, Mar- Marcus Phoenix is a good reindeer, and uh, Gordon Freeman is is another good reindeer. I don't know. You can find me wherever. I write stuff for Bullet Points and uh, I'm contributor
3: to uh, WashingtonPost.com.
2: You have Wapo asked Well, that's
1: not a column. It's one one article. <laughs> <You can't, laughs> please don't misre- misrepresent me on the internet. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Reebon Carter, and I I uh, always self promote, so you can find my stuff there. And Reed, uh,
2: um, Reed took Charles Krauthammer's spot at Washington <laughs> Post. That's
1: right. I'm actually. I'm also. You know, <laughs> I was I was walking down to DC for the last two weeks, just trudging along the road, and I uh, I just came. Set up shop in the city, and and now it's where I live and work. So 2019 is going to be a bit different for me. Please look forward
3: they, to it. They call him the Beltway Gamer now. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should just try and get a gig at the Washington Post, uh, writing about every big new game as if you were Charles Kylehammer.
1: <laughs> the Beltway Gamer is really good. <laughs>
0: that's uh.
3: Anyway find find the gaming equivalent to complaining about the national debt or something. <laughs> Listen.
1: That's about enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's about enough of that. Um hey, and you also, you know, last thing here. We had some stuff coming up in twenty nineteen. Twenty eighteen was a weird year. We started doing more like Patreon stuff, so it's mostly just really uh, unessential. Uh, but hopefully entertaining things that the idea is to, to fund the hardest work, which is keeping the articles coming, keeping them written and edited and going up regularly. Um, So the Patreon, we started doing obviously that we did all of them and then kingdom hearts three is going to come out. So that's going to set us back a bit, but Astor and I somehow talked for, I don't know, roughly 15 to 20 hours uh, not straight about Kingdom Hearts and you can listen to that on the Patreon and we also do the Industry Minute which is various combinations of Ed and Esther and I um, giving you very important business uh, business-focused video game news so you'll need that so you should sign up to that, I think because then uh, you sign up for $5 more a month you get all those tasty treats and then more importantly it gives us the money to be able to do things and to yeah. keep the site afloat, to pay contributors, to hopefully maybe build up enough of a war chest that we can tackle bigger things which we're trying to do also with 2019 we will put out OK Hero which is Ed and Astor and I writing about the Metal Gear Solid games um,
2: Yes, yeah we're writing a book
1: Writing a book we're writing so we, the book on metal gear
2: um we appreciate all the support that has gotten us to the point where we can even consider doing that and have people want to read it so thank you
1: yeah and that's that um that's that ethan thank you again for for coming here
3: thank you so much for having me on thank both you, of you thank you
1: it's I still think it's fantastic that you dressed up as an elf even though this is an audio only podcast. <laughs> I think that shows your commitment and I applaud it. And that with that is the end of 2018. We'll see you next year.
2: Yeah. Bye everybody.